Chapter Twenty Three of Outlaws of Ravenhurst by Sister M. Imelda Wallace, S.L. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Our Lady's Home. How he reached the ground, Gordon never knew. His next memory was of trees flying madly, and that stabbing pain telling him he could run no more. The lad was walking steadily, in spite of the pain, looking straight ahead thrusting aside the long sprays of blackberry vine, fruitless in the bright October sun, crashing on through burrs and goldenrod, sending the milkweed fairies fluttering before him as he passed. The way had been uphill, endlessly uphill, but for how many hours had he been struggling? Had he failed to sight trees, and so let his treacherous left foot lead him in a circle? What were those whirling black things dancing in the air before him? Were they crickets that chirped so loudly through the silence, or frogs, or was it only the blood throbbing in his temples? His foot caught in a tangled vine, and the dull pain of the fall relieved the stabbing in his side at last. The sun climbed the blue October sky, slipped behind a white mare's tail of cloud, and stole slowly down again, before Gordon's pain called him back to aching reality. Grasping a twisted grapevine, he rose wearily. Where was he going? His head felt like a windmill. Abel's, he was going to Abel's, wasn't he? Which way was it? He'd been climbing uphill? No, that could not be right. The morning sun would be in the east, but this sun seemed to be in the west. But if that was east, then going uphill would be going south, when he should be going north, if he were going from the cove to Abel's. Maybe I was going up the hill to get a better view of Sutter's Knob. Gordon stepped forward with dizzy uncertainty. This climbing was weary business, but at last he gained the spot, and his glad shout sent all the squirrels on the hill slope scampering. The pole! That's our fishing hole under the alders! There's the tree we climbed when the bear was after us, and, whether I'm going north, south, east, or west, there's the path to Abel's! The lad sprang forward, only to sink with the pain. Struggling up again, he staggered onward. The old path followed the endless winding of the creek. Was ever way so long? Were ever feet so slow? Is it dark under those trees, or am I going blind? Gordon muttered as he stumbled on. There never was a bat more stupid. The trees are thinning out ahead. It must be where the valley widens into the slash, and the clearing's just beyond. Surely... Yes, between the oaks. That's the new field. Daddy has stumped it already. That cloud? Fire? No, but the sky's all red. The sun. Oh, it couldn't be going down now. It's not noon yet. The lad broke into a staggering run. Hardly a dozen more steps, and the old scene burst upon him. The long, low cabin nested among trees. The orchard in the wide stretch of stubble field the shocks of corn and the fodder stacks, the pasture-land and fallow, over all red clouds afloat in the glowing sky. Sunset, he gasped, leaning against the great oak. Sunset, I must have lain in the grass all day, and Mother has had no food. On again, down the slope from the woodland, over the bridge in the hollow, the path seemed weedy, was it that Scottish lanes were more often trodden and better kept? No sound came from the farmyard. The wide barn doors were closed, the yard empty, 
the bucket overturned near the edge of the well. A stifling horror gripped him. Had things gone wrong at Abel's also? It had never been still before. A dog sprang from the bushes with joyously wagging tail. Oh, Shep! Old Shep! Gordon slid through the bars, and the dog was upon him. Don't, old Shep, don't! I can't roll around like I used to. It hurts me in my side. The friendly brown eyes were full of pity. Dogs understand so much. What's the matter, Sheppy? Why is everything so still? But the dog only smiled dog smiles, casting uneasy glances toward the house. Along the side of the cabin and around toward the kitchen door, the two friends passed together. A sound floated to them, low, murmuring. The door was open. Gordon stepped noiselessly on the worn stone sill. Then a smile sweetened his troubled face as he knelt on the step, whispering softly, Bead time, only bead time, and even you, old doggy, know we must be still at prayers. Daddy knelt by the fireplace with the rosary in his blunt, scarred hand. Joel was just behind him, close to Witch and Tother, and all the rest of the red-headed dozen knelt, each in the same old place. One change there was. Mommy no longer rocked the cradle with her foot, keeping time to the murmur of the prayers. He that used to crow within it knelt beside her, wobbling from side to side on his little knees, chewing her homespun apron string, his shrill voice sounding above the able chorus, Mother of Dodd, bear us inners. The last glory be to the Father came from Daddy's fervent lips. Rosary was over. No, he drew the cross back again beneath his broken thumbnail, and his voice was deep and low. Second Rosary, in honor of Our Lady, Star of the Sea, for the eternal well-being and safe return of our George. A choking sob clutched Gordon's throat. They never forgot. Oh, I knew they wouldn't. Then the shore rose up before him, the weary, starving folk, the sick and dying sheltered by that ragged sail, and all the pain and sorrow welled up in the old, old cry. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Joel twisted on his knees, and Daddy, hearing the sound, turned with one hand upraised to punish the offender. But the hand dropped. The rosary fell clinking on the hearth. John Abel sprang to his feet. Mother of mercy, would ye look at the doorstep? But come in, boy, come in. Lizzie, get a stole, girl. Don't stand staring. Can't you see he's fit to faint? Never mind, Daddy. I'm all right. But if you can help. Who? The folk at the cove. What folk? Oh, they're all on the sand. The clan and my father and mother. The ship ran on a reef last. Hold on a bit. How many be there and where? About fifty, not counting the ten that are sick. You mean fifty dragon yet and a dozen dying. Now where? The cove where Alder Creek comes in, but not far up there. It's about four miles south from Sutter's Knob, I think. Get the bays, Joel. You ought to had them out already. Haven't you any sense at all? The light wagon, heavied one stick in the sand. Do you hear? He shouted after the flying boy. Tom, that hunch of venison's in the smokehouse. Three or four hams and a bacon or so. That'll help you. 
Ed, run up to the windmill and sack some of that fresh cornmeal. I'll help you carry it down. But, Daddy, how did you know? I hadn't told you yet. Lord bless you. Starvation written on your face. Lizzie, is that you staring there? Get the boy some supper. Haven't you any wits? But Mommy's bony hand was on the boy's forehead. No, Lizzie, heavy food won't do. There's fever. Wait a minute, broke in Daddy. Are they on the shore or up the bluff? Down on the sand, but out of reach of the tide. Might have a hard pull through the sand. You, witch and toddler, get out the mules. You can ride them till they're needed. Don't leave no straps flapping, and watch out the gray don't kick you. He's been skittish all day. Concern him. You, Sam, come to the root house with me. Get a couple of potato sacks. Mommy's voice could be heard at last, calling through the trapdoor for someone in the cellar. No, the last pan's the jersey. Them's the fresh eggs in the basket. Got the blackberry brandy yet? Annie, yes, bring it here. Molly, run up in the loft and get my herbs and my sunbonnet. That's a good girl, Lizzie. Now hand me the cup. Fine eggnog. Couldn't have made it better myself. Oh, Mommy, don't worry about me, cried the boy as her homely face turned toward him. I'm all right, but if you could fix something good like that for Mother. For land's sakes, don't you think there's more than one cup of milk and one egg on the Abel farm? You drink this, and don't fear Mommy won't take care of any folks of yours, least of all your real mother. But Mommy, a spasm of terror crossed his face. I forgot. I promised Father to be back in an hour. That was early this morning. But I saw Sutter's knob and... You clean forgot everything, but to run like a deer for your Mommy. Never mind, I'll stand twixt you and a switchin' for once in your life. Oh, it's not that, but their worry. We'll be over mighty soon, laddie. See, the wagon's at the gate. Lizzie, you'll have to stay at home and see to things while I'm gone. You're turned fourteen and should have some sense. If the little twins goes to pesterin' and playin' off on you, well, Daddy will be round to settle them. Molly better come along with me. It's time she learned to nurse, anyhow. We'll be gone a good spell, likely. Ship fever ain't no fun to cure. The rest of you, hear me now. You're to mind Lizzie and help her, and not to be pesterin' the calves nor climbin' the windmill. She'll have work enough and bother to spare without you little ones layin' yourself out to be mean. Mary, came Daddy's voice from the gate, we're ready if you are. The sleek bay swung into a bouncing trot down the lane and out into the high road but the talk rattled even faster than the spinning wheels or the clicking hoofs. All had to be told and retold. Many times Mommy cried, For the land's sakes, and whoever would have thought it. Many times Daddy said, Thanks be to God and to his holy mother. By the time they reached the shore, food and rest and joy had given the lad his old spirit. He would have walked with the others while the double team strained through the heavy sand but Daddy carried him as if he were a babe. At last a shout came from the cliff above them. A mighty figure stood out against the stars, and the voice of Uncle John came ringing down. Seen a boy? A boy! Lost boy! Abel lifted the lad in the air and bellowed joyously, Safe and sound! All is well! A light came and went among the rocks. There's the tent! shouted Gordon. 
A moment later he was lifting the tent flap to bring the glad news to his mother. From outside, Mary Abel's voice came in that strong, quiet, cheery tone, which makes the sick better by its very sound. And John Abel's welcome rang over the camp. Sure, you're safe. Our blessed lady is not going to turn stepmother to you in her own land. Epilogue When at long last old Edwin was free to join Clan Gordon overseas, he gave them these jottings of God's finger on the shifting dunes of time. Sir Roger tied his fortunes to an earthly king, but that monarch's head rolled from the block while Puritan soldiers glared. He might have escaped had not that staunch Puritan, Godfrey, betrayed him. Guilt-stained, cringing, a coward to the end, Sir Roger went to the block. But he may have been a repentant coward, for Edwin heard him mutter as he climbed to the scaffold, Fool, fool, fool. Then Godfrey had his little day of crush-all, grab-all success, until Cromwell caught him playing one last game of double-dealing, and set his iron heel down on him, as if he had been a viper in the path. End of chapter 23 End of Outlaws of Ravenhurst by Sister M. Amelda Wallace, S.L. Recording by Maria Therese